Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You're at the right place. So we can unravel the propaganda that is taking place throughout the media and with the Democrat Party today. And we, as usual, will take our time because you're hearing the media as I speak say that now that Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are going to formalize the impeachment inquiry process, they've taken a defense away from the president and the Democrats. But that's not what they've done. I have a copy of the resolution in front of me. This is not called an impeachment resolution. This is not called a resolution for an impeachment inquiry. It's called a resolution. And as pointed out by Thomas Lifson at The American Thinker, and in my own notes too as well, when Nancy Pelosi was walking by an NBC News so-called reporter, she made the distinction. She said it's not an impeachment resolution as she walked by. It's not an impeachment resolution. It's a resolution. Now why does that matter? For several reasons. The reporters are too stupid or too ideologically partisan to understand the difference. An actual resolution for an impeachment inquiry voted on by the full House would confer rights, really equal rights, on the Republican minority to subpoena witnesses, on the president and his counsel to be present whenever there's witness testimony to present evidence and so forth, and without the chairman or the majority approval. That's what you saw in the Nixon House impeachment inquiry resolution. That's what you saw in the Clinton House impeachment resolution. As I will read this resolution to you, seven and a half to eight pages, you'll see that's certainly not what they've done here, and certainly not what they're proposing here. But the media want you to believe it is so. And I also believe that they're trying to pull a fast one on the federal judiciary. That is, so the federal judiciary will now be able to say, well, the full House has voted, because the Obama judge, and she is an Obama judge, and that wasn't in many of the news reports, that had ruled in favor of the House Judiciary Committee, not the House as a whole, but the House Judiciary Committee, That 6E grand jury information, 302, that is FBI, raw notes, and other underlying information in the Mueller report should be provided to the House Judiciary Committee as a result of its impeachment inquiry, I believe will be overturned. For the very reason I said, 
There are separation of powers issues here, and a committee of Congress does not represent the will of Congress. It represents the will of a committee of Congress. And there's judicial precedent to support what I'm saying. But of course, again, the media didn't report that, and they're not going to. Now, before I get to this resolution, I want to talk about this lieutenant colonel, Alexander Vindman of the Army. Why in the world do we care what he has to say? Why does it matter what he has to say? Why does it matter that the Democrats are leaking to the media about, oh my God, his testimony is unbelievable? Well, Mark, he's a first-hand witness. We talked about this yesterday. He's a first-hand witness, Mark. He listened it on the phone call. Ladies and gentlemen, I have in front of me, and you can go on the internet and find it, a transcript of that phone call that was created by a committee of monitors, perhaps including the lieutenant colonel, who all listened into the phone call real time and wrote the transcript. We have the transcript. Why do we care what people, I don't care if the lieutenant colonel, CIA operatives, the janitor, the cook, why do we care what they have to say about what we have in front of us, what we're reading ourselves? Whether he has first-hand information, whether the CIA operative has second-hand information, their testimony literally adds nothing factual, no evidence. They're providing their opinions. That's it. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. It doesn't matter what this lieutenant colonel thought about the phone call. We have the transcript. It doesn't matter what the so-called whistleblower, the CIA operative with ties to Biden and the Democrats, what he or she thinks about the phone call. We have the phone call as transcribed by the monitors and agreed to by the monitors. Not Trump, not his operatives, but the monitors. This testimony is superfluous, but it builds up drama. It's leaked to the New York Times in full yesterday, so they have a piece perfectly timed for last evening in advance of the testimony, the secret testimony. We're being played for fools here by a media that doesn't even belong in a backward third world dictatorship. By a Democrat party that has rejected the Constitution a long time ago. It doesn't matter what this army officer has to say. He's irrelevant. This so-called whistleblower is irrelevant. The reason we want to know who the whistleblower is, is to determine how this came to the fore in the first place. Not because there is anything substantive he or she can add, and there's nothing substantive that Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman of the Army can add. And it's interesting to see how the Democrats and some Republicans run to his defense. Don't smear this man, they tell us. Don't smear this man? Isn't he active-duty military? So why is he going around the White House and testifying to Congress about the commander-in-chief? 
The commander-in-chief didn't commit any crimes. We already have the transcript. Why did he feel it was necessary for him to go before this secret Soviet-style tribunal in the basement of the Capitol building where Adam Schiff conducts himself like Joseph Stalin himself in order to give us his opinion about the phone call? This lieutenant colonel is not the president of the United States. He doesn't get to call the shots. And isn't it precious that so many of the same people in the media and so many of the same Democrats who say you cannot criticize Lieutenant Colonel Alexander S. Vindman of the Army, he's a combat veteran. He has a Purple Heart. Did they feel the same way about Lieutenant General Michael Flynn? They mocked him. They attacked him. They eviscerated him. Back in the Iran-Contra days, did they treat Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North that way? They mocked him. They attacked him. They eviscerated him. We don't need lectures by the media and the Democrats and some Republicans about how to treat military personnel. We treat them with respect. But we will question those after they've served in combat, who now serve in the White House and are serving an elected president of the United States, we will question what they're doing and their motives because that's the way the system works. And that's the way the system ought to work. Now, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander S. Vindman can add nothing to the official transcript, but his opinion. And his opinion means nothing. The opinion of our president and the opinion of the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, was that there was nothing untoward, there was no pressure, there was no threat, there was no, you investigate or we withhold military funds, none of that. That's what the Democrats want to have been said in the transcript. But that's not what the transcript provides. It doesn't say that. And I refuse to accept, as so many so-called conservatives do, that it was wrong for the president to raise the question of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. The president didn't say, get those guys. The president didn't even say, investigate those guys. He said, you might want to look into this. This Hunter Biden story that was broken by Politico or the New York Times. And his father, who bragged about his intervention in the Ukrainian justice system, bragged about it. Now, there's something very strange also in this New York Times piece. I don't know if anybody's even focusing on this. Certainly the media are not. It's about two-thirds or three-fourths into a very long story, which was spoon-fed to the New York Times by Adam Schiff and his people. While Colonel Vindman's concerns were shared by a number of other officials, some of whom have already testified, he was in a unique position. Because he emigrated from Ukraine along with his family when he was a child, I have no problem, and is fluent in Ukrainian and Russian, great. Ukrainian officials sought advice from him 
about how to deal with Mr. Giuliani, though they typically communicated in English. I don't know what that means, they typically communicated in English, what the value of that half sentence is. But here you have a member of the National Security Council, a lieutenant colonel, who is supposed to be loyal to the commander-in-chief. And if you can't work for the commander-in-chief, you have a duty to resign. He's advising Ukrainian officials, Mr. Producer, on how to deal with Rudy Giuliani. The President of the United States is free to ask anybody he wants to assist him in foreign policy. As George Washington did, as Franklin Roosevelt did, as Harry Truman did, as John Kennedy did, as Richard Nixon did, as Bill Clinton did, as others have done. A president is not compelled to conduct foreign policy through the State Department bureaucracy, which can be obstructionist and even defy a president. And many very good things have happened when presidents have used surrogates. Ever hear John Jay and the Jay Treaty? John Jay would become the first Chief Justice of the United States on the Supreme Court. John Jay, one of the authors of the Federalist Papers. John Jay, on behalf of George Washington, helping to conduct foreign policy, went around Thomas Jefferson, the Secretary of State. They want you to believe that what Giuliani's doing, I'm not questioning and getting involved in legal or illegal, I don't know what he's doing. But what he's doing, in fact, as a irregular channel, is the way Ambassador William Taylor put it, that there's something wrong with that, or something impeachable with that, or something unethical about that. No, presidents have done this repeatedly. Repeatedly. The other day, Bernie Sanders gave a speech to J Street. J Street is an organization of self-hating Jews, funded originally by George Soros and his ilk. They are a fifth column in our country, and they are a fifth column in Israel. That's what they are. And so all the Jew haters and all the Israel haters go there and speak because they feel that it provides them with camouflage. Bernie Sanders is an Israel hater. And he went over there and he called Benjamin Netanyahu a racist. Just as he calls everybody he disagrees with, like the president, a racist. This coming from a Marxist. And the Marxist ideology resulting in the death of hundreds of thousands of Jews. And look how the Marxists treat the Muslims in China. Look how they treat the, the uh, Christians in China. Israel, Israel's prime minister, where Christians live freely, where Muslims and Arabs live freely, where Jews live freely, where atheists live freely, where gays live freely. He attacks the prime minister of the one free country in the Middle East. Because that prime minister wants to defend his nation. And he made it abundantly clear that if Netanyahu or Israel generally doesn't bend to his demands, that he will cut $3.8 billion or whatever the number is in military support and so forth. Is that not a quid pro quo? Is that not interfering with the state of Israel? Is that not a threat? 
The left and the Democrats threaten our allies all the time. This is a sham. This is a farce. This is a ruse. To cover up the fact that the Ukrainian government worked with the Hillary campaign and the Clinton and the Obama administration to defeat Donald Trump in 2016. I'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. This Congress is tyrannical. It is breaking our institutions and our customs and our rules. In the name of going after a president who they claim is doing the same, and clearly he is not. Lieutenant Colonel Vindman is active duty military. He testifies in the legislative branch against the commander-in-chief, with whom he disagrees. This is against all my understandings of the notions of good order and discipline. And the White House counsel, in my view, should have fought this. Again, again, the Democrats attacking our institutions while claiming to protect them. The Democrats attacking our Constitution while claiming to protect them. So much for separation of civilians and military. For the Democrats, it doesn't matter. The ends justify the means. And no, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, you know about good order and discipline. You're Lieutenant Colonel. You're one step below a colonel, which is one step below a general. You know that appearing before the legislative branch to testify against the commander-in-chief because you disagreed with him is inappropriate. It's inappropriate. And I'd love to know Ukrainian officials sought your advice about how to deal with Giuliani, exactly what advice you gave. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. 
I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. He's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. Levin, America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877-381-3811. See, this is how it works, ladies and gentlemen. The media, the Democrats, the left, even some rhinos, they will trash men and women in uniform who they disagree with. Trash them. Ask Tulsi Gabbard, most recent example, Mike Flynn. But when they support somebody in uniform, you can't even question them. Not their motives, nothing. Nothing. It's the same with women. Women who are liberal Democrats, you better be very careful how you question them. Women who are conservative Republicans, you can attack their looks, you can attack their children, you can say... (laughs) Sexist things about them, perfectly fine. Same about minorities. Same with minorities. Blacks, Hispanics, Asians, so forth. Jews, who are Democrats and liberals. You better be very careful how you criticize them. However, if they're conservative Republicans, go at it. Trash away. Anything goes. It's not a matter of trashing Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman of the Army. It's a matter of challenging his credibility. Why do we care about his opinion about a phone call where we have the transcript which represents the collective view of what was said by all the monitors present? Why does it matter what Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman had to say about that phone call? It doesn't. Yet it was leaked to the New York Times, and his statement was intended to do maximum damage to the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief. His statement was intended to support the impeachment of the President of the United States, even though it didn't add a single new fact respecting the actual phone call. Not a single new fact respecting the actual phone call for which we have the transcript. And headlines tonight, NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, Democrats are very, very, very concerned about the testimony they heard. Of course they are. 
It's a Stalinist show trial. That's what they do. They're concerned, of course. So let's take a look at this grand resolution that the Democrats have put together, which the media are arguing solves their problem of formalizing an impeachment inquiry, even though Nancy Pelosi and Stempy Hoyer have both said, no, 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 this isn't about an impeachment inquiry. It's formalizing the position that Nancy Pelosi took five weeks ago. And when you look at the resolution online, you'll see the word resolution. It doesn't say House impeachment hearing resolution, House impeachment inquiry resolution. They'll get to that later. But that's not the heading on the, on the document. Here's the resolution. Directing certain committees to continue their ongoing investigations as part of the existing House of Representatives inquiry. You understand? Because they do not want to give the minority the rights that the minority gets. Into whether sufficient grounds exist for the House of Representatives to exercise its constitutional power to impeach Donald John Trump, President of the United States of America, and for other purposes. Resolved that the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the Committees on Financial Services, Foreign Affairs, the Judiciary, Oversight and Reform, and Ways and Means are directed to continue their ongoing investigations as part of the existing House of Representatives inquiry into whether sufficient grounds exist for the House of Representatives to exercise its constitutional power to impeach Donald John Trump, President of the United States. Media, do you understand what the words mean? You're so damn stupid, or you're so damn in the tank. Can't you explain things to the American people and let them draw their own conclusions? This is not a formal House inquiry. This is a vote, as Nancy Pelosi says. A vote for the existing investigative activities that are going on. With six committees. Three committees, I guess. Section 2. For the purpose of continuing the investigation described in the first section of this resolution. So they're continuing the investigation. Why are they doing that? They're in a rush. They want to give the imprimatur to everything that's been done as a formal hearing. Try to retroactively bring it under the umbrella of the full house. So they can go into court and say that. And for other reasons. For the purpose of continuing the investigation described in the first section of this resolution, the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence is authorized to conduct proceedings pursuant to this resolution as follows. The chair of the Permanent Select Committee of Intelligence shall designate an open hearing or hearings pursuant to this section. Two, notwithstanding Clause 2J2 of Rule 11 of the Rules of the House of Representatives, Upon recognition by the chair for such purpose under this paragraph during any hearing designated pursuant to paragraph 1, the chair and ranking minority member of the Permanent Select Committee shall be permitted to question witnesses, big deal, for equal specified periods of time longer than five minutes, as determined by the chair. The time available for each period of questioning under this paragraph shall be equal for the chair and the ranking minority member. So the chairman and the leading Republican get the same amount of time to question the witness. And, of course, the chair will decide how long that amount of time is. 
The chair may confer recognition for multiple periods of such questioning, but each period of questioning shall not exceed 90 minutes in the aggregate. Only the chair and the ranking member or a permanent select committee employee, if yielded to by the chair or the ranking member, may question witnesses during such periods of questioning. So the other members cannot. At the conclusion of questioning, pursuant to this paragraph, the committee shall proceed with questioning under the five-minute rule. Number three, to allow for full evaluation of minority witness requests. You see, under the Clinton and Nixon impeachment processes that were in place, the minority didn't have to request permission to call witnesses. There wasn't an evaluation of minority witness requests. They called witnesses. See, they will not, will not cede any control. To allow for full evaluation of minority witness requests, the ranking minority member may submit to the chair in writing any request for witness testimony relevant to the investigation described in the first section of this resolution within 72 hours after notice is given for the first hearing designated pursuant to paragraph 1. So the lead Republican on the committee, Collins in the Judiciary Committee, Nunes, the Intel Committee, and so forth. They have to provide the names or name of a witness or witnesses to the chairman 72 hours in advance and get permission from the chairman to call the witnesses. A complete break from the past. Any such request shall be accompanied by a detailed written justification of the relevance of the testimony of each requested witness to the investigation described in the first section of this resolution. So in addition of asking the chairman 72 hours before if a witness or witnesses can be called, they need a detailed justification in writing provided to the chairman. The media aren't telling you this, I'm telling you this. I'm reading right from it. 4A, the ranking minority member of the Permanent Select Committee is authorized with the concurrence of the chair to require as deemed necessary to the investigation. Again, that means Nadler and Schiff and the others have to approve it by subpoena or otherwise the attendance and testimony of any person, including at a taking of a deposition, and the production of books, records, correspondence, memoranda, papers, documents, and by interrogatory, the furnishing of information. But if they don't get permission from the chair, they can't do it. In the case that the chair declines to concur in a proposed action of the ranking minority member pursuant to subparagraph A, the ranking minority member shall have the right to refer to the committee for a decision the question whether such authority shall be exercised, and the chair shall convene the committee promptly to render that decision. So they'll have a vote of the full committee, which is controlled by the Democrats. Have have there been a single Democrat who's voted against Nadler or Schiff on any of these committees? No. But the media, they want you to believe that something really has been done here. See, subpoenas and interrogatories so authorized may be signed by the ranking member and may be served by any person designated by the ranking minority member. The chair is authorized to make publicly available in electronic form the transcripts of depositions conducted by the Intel Committee in furtherance of the investigation described in the first section of this resolution with appropriate redactions for classified and other sensitive information. Now, isn't that precious? 
They don't feel that way about the Mueller report. They don't want appropriate redactions for classified information or sensitive grand jury information. It doesn't say the chair must. It says he's authorized, or she, to make publicly available the electronic form of the transcripts. The Intelligence Committee is directed to issue a report setting forth its findings and any recommendations and appending any information and materials the committee may deem appropriate with respect to the investigation described in the first section of this resolution. The chair shall submit such report and appendices along with any supplemental minority, additional, or dissenting views filed pursuant to Clause 2.1 of Rule 11 to the Committee on the Judiciary and make such report publicly available so the minority can file a minority report. The report required by this paragraph shall be prepared in consultation with the chairs of the Foreign Affairs and Oversight and Reform Committees. The House authorizes the Committee on the Judiciary to conduct proceedings related to the impeachment inquiry referenced in the first section of this resolution, pursuant to the procedures submitted for printing in the Congressional record, including any procedures as to allow for the participation of the President as counsel. This doesn't grant. You know, I've been listening to the media, haven't you, Mr. Badu? That doesn't grant the right of the President's counsel to participate. Does it? It says you, that he might allow procedures as to allow for the participation. It's authorized to pr- promulgate additional procedures as it deems necessary for the fair and efficient conduct of committee hearings held pursuant to the resolution, provided the additional procedures are not inconsistent with the procedures referenced above. And then the ranking member, minority member of the Committee on Judiciary is authorized with concurrence of the chair on the subpoenas again. This is a disgrace. This is a disgrace. You're about to find out who the dumbest and most ideologically driven members of the media are. And it's the president sent in a press release that was just released, statement from the press secretary. The resolution put forward by Pelosi confirms House Democrats' impeachment has been an illegitimate sham from the start, lacked any proper authorization by a House vote. Continues this scam by allowing Chairman Schiff, who repeatedly lies to the American people, to hold a new round of hearings, still without any due process for the president. The White House is barred from participating at all until Chairman Schiff conducts two rounds of one-sided hearings to generate a biased report for the Judiciary Committee. Even then, the White House's rights remain undefined, unclear, uncertain, because those rules still haven't been written. Does nothing, folks, to change anything. I'll be right back. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. A series of choices guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C., Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. 
That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Told you, folks, this is the place to be. We take our time and we roll through this like Sherman through Atlanta. People are bouncing around from one website to the other. Look at my friend Matt Drudge's site. All the uh, bold up in the upper left uh, page with the, uh, the shocking headlines. And what I'm trying to tell you is there's nothing shocking going on here. Nothing. You have a lieutenant colonel in the National Security Council who said he was very, very concerned about the phone call. So what? Who cares? We have the transcript. We've gone over it repeatedly on all media platforms that I have. And it also doesn't say what the Democrats want it to say. That I'm withholding military aid unless you conduct your 2016 investigation. That doesn't say that. Well, I'm withholding military aid unless you go after the Bidens. It doesn't say that. So they keep changing it. Well, they should never mention the Bidens. Why? Why? Well, you don't ask another country to help investigate a citizen. We do this all the time. What are you talking about? Ask the FBI. Well, he's, he could be an opponent of the president's. Well, who cares? Well, then he's unleashing a foreign government. No, 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 no. It's the Democrats and the Hillary campaign and the Obama administration that unleashed and worked with Ukraine to sabotage the Trump campaign. That's what Politico said two and a half years ago. Well, we don't want to get into that, now do we? Ladies and gentlemen, I've only just begun. Stay with me, I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 3813813811. I want to remind you, January 2017, and I will continue to do this. Politico, Kenneth Vogel and David Stern, two leftists, but nonetheless. Headline, Ukrainian efforts to sabotage Trump backfire. None of this has been discussed by any of these multiple committees under the iron fist of Eva, Nancy, Pelosi, I was going to say a name, but I probably shouldn't. Uh, Perone. Perone. Eva Perone. I would never say Eva Braun because that would, be, that would be horrible. So I won't say that. No, but they can call Trump Hitler. That's okay. Now this article continues. Ukrainian... This is uh, Jake Tapper. I hope you're listening. I know... Uh, Jeff Motherzucker's whispering in your ear about now, but, but pay attention. Fredo Cuomo. Who else is out there? Ukrainian, quote, Ukrainian government officials tried to help Hillary Clinton and undermine Trump by publicly questioning his fitness for office. 
They also disseminated documents implicating a top Trump aide in corruption and suggested they were investigating the matter only to back away after the election. And they helped Clinton's allies research damaging information on Trump and his advisors, a political investigation found. I want you to just think about this. If it had been the Trump campaign in the RNC working with the Ukrainian government to undermine Trump, his fitness for office, the leaking of supposed documents, they had nothing on Trump and Russia in collusion. Here it's spelled out in one paragraph. Hillary Clinton, the Democrats, and the Ukrainian government. One paragraph. Can you imagine if the paragraph said, Russian government officials tried to help Trump, Donald Trump, and undermine Hillary's campaign by publicly questioning her fitness for office. They also disseminated documents implicating a top Clinton aide in corruption and suggested they were investigating the matter, only to back away after the election. And they helped Trump's allies research damaging information on Clinton and his advisors, a political investigation found. Can you imagine if the shoe were on the other foot? Next paragraph. A Ukrainian-American operative who was consulting for the Democratic National Committee met with top officials in the Ukrainian embassy in Washington in an effort to expose ties between Trump, top campaign aide Paul Manafort, and Russia, according to people with direct knowledge of the situation. Let's try this game again. A Russian-American operative who was consulting for the RNC met with top officials in the Russian embassy in Washington in an effort to expose ties between Clinton top campaign aide, uh, let's just pick one, and Russia, according to people with direct knowledge of the situation. Can you imagine? Next paragraph from January 2017, Politico. The Ukrainian efforts had an impact in the race, helping to force Manafort's resignation and advancing the narrative that Trump's campaign was deeply connected to Ukraine's foe to the east, Russia. Let's play again. The Russian efforts had an impact in the race, helping to force Hillary Clinton's campaign manager's resignation and advancing the narrative that Clinton's campaign was deeply connected to Russia's foe to the east, that would be to the west, Ukraine. Those three paragraphs in Politico two and a half years ago are damning of what the Ukrainian government, the Hillary campaign, the DNC and the Obama administration were doing. You don't even have to connect the dots. The dots are connected for you. The dots are connected for you. This is why the president is incensed about what happened in 2016. The setup by our own senior levels of the FBI and our intelligence agencies. The setup with the Hillary campaign and the DNC with the phony dossier. The setup out of the Oval Office of the White House where President Obama was briefed on this. Then the setup on the Ukrainian side, where again the Hillary campaign and the DNC and the Obama administration colluding with the Ukrainian government, the corrupt Ukrainian government, to sabotage Trump and help Hillary's campaign. This is what happened. And now we're talking about impeaching a president. We have a lieutenant colonel up there who's giving his opinion about a public phone transcript 
written by the monitors collectively. Like his opinion matters. His opinion is irrelevant. And yet he's an expert on Ukraine and Russia. Why didn't he raise alarms about what the Clinton campaign and the DNC and the Obama administration and the Ukrainian government was doing? And what is this talk that he was giving advice to the Ukrainian government and usually in English? I guess that means sometimes not in English. Sometimes, I guess, in Ukrainian. What kind of a... What kind of... What is that? You're an advisor to the President of the United States. You're on the National Security Council. Why are you giving advice? Why are you giving advice to the Ukrainian government on how to deal with the President of the United States? Is that appropriate, ladies and gentlemen? Well, why is it being dismissed? It's here in the New York Times article, buried way in the back. Which is what they do when they have news they don't really want to report, like the Holocaust. Always buried way in the back of the newspapers. Way in the back. But he usually spoke in English. So sometimes he spoke in Ukrainian. What is that all about? And why would he do that? But to confound people who might be monitoring his phone calls, Mr. Producer, right? If he were speaking in Ukrainian, I suppose. But this is stuck in the back of the article. The New York Times. It's quite shocking, ladies and gentlemen. Very shocking. And now, of course, the media are running with, look look at this, the uh, Democrats are going to formalize the uh, impeachment hearings and give the Republicans exactly what they want. So they're never longer going to have any defenses left. What are you talking about? Read it. Read it. Republicans are given virtually nothing. The President of the United States and his counsel are given virtually nothing. Then they'll go into court and say, look at this, we voted on this resolution. So the full House supports an impeachment inquiry. And they're giving this for the Clinton-Obama judges. Giving them something to grasp, a hook, when they demand all these documents. And that's why they're doing it. And the Trump administration should continue to fight this. Fight it on substance, fight it on procedure, fight it on process. Fight it all the way. Well, he has to give them what they want. Isn't it amazing? I talked about this a couple weeks ago. The Democrats in the House don't have to do anything. The Constitution doesn't say that they have to have a formal impeachment process. The Constitution doesn't say that they have to have the... Fine. The Constitution doesn't say that the president has to answer them either. Where does it say that? It's a co-equal branch. Just because they issue a subpoena doesn't mean the executive branch has to fold like a cheap tent. President of the United States can say, they don't have to have a process. I don't have to have a process. Why not? Why not? And I think that is a fair point. More than a fair point. But what was Lieutenant Colonel Vindman talking to the Ukrainians about? Why don't we get his phone records, Mr. Producer? Phone records galore. I've argued that we ought to have Biden's phone records and his talks with the Ukrainians and, and the Chinese and now perhaps the Romanians, given his, his son's uh, 
such a genius that all these governments and their companies are hiring him for his swell advice. I think the kid's as dumb as the father. What do you think of that? With all due respect. With all due respect, of course. But Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, he's no Lieutenant General Flynn. He's no Lieutenant Colonel North. Mr. Vindman, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, what did you tell the Ukrainians? What did you advise them vis-a-vis the President of the United States, your boss? How many discussions did you have with the Ukrainian government? What were the dates? Are there records of your discussions with the Ukrainians? How many discussions did you have with the Ukrainian government in English? How many discussions did you have in Ukrainian? Why were you discussing anything with them vis-a-vis the President of the United States? By the way, if you are, in fact, as offended about what the President said, why didn't you resign? Tell me, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, I know I'm not allowed to ask questions, but I shall. Tell me, for the good of the order, your opinions as to the President's phone calls are not relevant. So why did you go to the House of Representatives and testify about your opinions on the President's phone call? We have the President's phone call. You may have a different opinion than the president. Moreover, now that we have the president's phone call and we've been able to read some of your opening testimony, tell us, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, why did you exaggerate? And he did. Why did you exaggerate in your opening statement to the committee? See, one of the things that happens, ladies and gentlemen, putting this lieutenant colonel aside, but any witness, they now know the playing field. They know what's being said. They know what's being said by their colleagues or their friends or associates. They know what's being said in the media. They know what's being said by various committee members. And so now he gets up and he testifies, or he provides an opening statement, which may not actually be the witness's Original recollection. I'm just making a point, again, not about the lieutenant colonel, but anybody. Because this has been going on for five weeks now. Five weeks. You know, I have first-hand knowledge of what took place. Uh, We all do, pal, because we have the transcript. We all have it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks, that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. All right. I want to give you some examples of interference in another country and blackmail, bribery, extortion by Julian Castro at J Street's National Conference today. Remember what I told you, J Street is the uh, group of self-hating Jews originally funded by George Soros, a fifth column in our country, a fifth column in Israel. Now listen to this. Listen to this threat against our ally Israel by Julian Castro. Cut 14, go. The fact is that in so many different ways, we do have a carrot and stick approach, whether we're dealing with money that's domestically granted or with foreign assistance. Really? Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Quid pro quo all over the place. Yes. A carrot and a stick, like the president used with Ukraine. But this is Israel, and they all hate Israel. Can't be because it's a Jewish state, can it? Go ahead. Including security assistance. And so I I think that that framework already exists, that the intensity of it or the specificity of it may be something different. That's what I say. I would not take that off the table. I do think, though, that we need to use this opportunity that we have, hopefully with the new Israeli government and with a new administration, I believe, in 2021, to do everything that we can to get Israel to go back in the direction of pursuing a two-state solution so that we can avoid having to condition our aid on that. Wow, we're going to condition our aid. We're going to condition our aid. Julian Castro. Oh, the hypocrisy. Now, Pete Buttigieg, at the same event, J Street's National Conference, cut 15, go. Of course, with annexation is that it is incompatible with a two-state solution. And I believe, ultimately, moving in that direction represents moving away from peace. And we have a responsibility as the key ally to Israel to make sure that we guide things in the right direction. Now, our security support is based on strategic objectives. It's based on values. And we need to make sure that it does not turn into uh, a go-ahead where we would be endorsing anything like annexation. That means we have a responsibility. And by the way, we have mechanisms to do this to ensure that U.S. taxpayer support to Israel does not get turned into U.S. taxpayer support for a move like annexation. More threats. More threats. More conditions. Quid pro quo. Do what we say, two-state solution, which would be Israel's final solution, or you don't get support. Isn't that amazing, ladies and gentlemen? And here you have Castro and Buttigieg, both of whom endorsed the impeachment of the President of the United States. Now we have Bernie Sanders, Bernie the Red. Cut 16, go. So my proposal in terms of Israeli-Palestinian efforts is not a radical proposal. All it says 
is that we need an even-handed proposal for both people. What is going on in Gaza right now, for example, is absolutely inhumane. It is unacceptable. It is unsustainable. By the way, Hamas, the terrorist group, controls Gaza. Not Israel. Go ahead. So I would use the leverage. $3.8 billion is a lot of money. And we cannot give it carte blanche to the Israeli government, or for that matter, to any government at all. We have a right to demand respect for human rights and democracy. Now that's, that's amazing. It's the one country in the Middle East that respects human rights and democracy. There's not another. That's it. You've got Arabs, Muslims who vote in that country, who have significant rights in that country, including due process rights. Obviously, Jews of all types, Christians of all types, atheists, large gay community, particularly in Tel Aviv, all kinds of diversity when it comes to lifestyles, when it comes to religious affiliations. And they attack Israel. He didn't attack Hamas. He didn't attack Fatah. He didn't attack Iran. He attacks Israel. All three of these Democrats, and you can throw in Elizabeth Warren and the others, either Israel does what we say, including create an insane threat to its own survival, or we will cut aid. Think about that. Think about that. They've said more than the president said to the president of Ukraine. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. There are four purposes of education at the Great Hillsdale College. Learning character, faith, and freedom. For 175 years, Hillsdale has been committed to these four pillars of its mission. Other colleges started off with good intentions, but many of them have lost their way. Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've known Hillsdale President Dr. Larry Arn for many, many years. He's a great friend. He's a great patriot. And he says, quote, Learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it's fragile and constantly under threat. So its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority, unquote. Hillsdale has a rigorous, true liberal arts curriculum. And all students learn the basics of the United States Constitution, whether they major in biology, business, economics, or any of the dozen of other areas of study. 
All students learn what it means to be good citizens and why it's necessary to fight for freedom. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Fantastic institution. All right. Well, I should uh, continue. We'll take some calls at the, in the final hour as well. We have a special guest in the final hour, too. From our friends at newsbusters.org, part of the Great Media Research Center, and our buddy Brent Bozell, Bill D'Agostino, sorry there, fella. Despite the unreliable nature of anonymous sources, the three major broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, have used anonymous sources in nearly three-fifths of their news reports about the impeachment probe since it first began, mostly to pass along damning accusations against the president that cannot be independently verified. And you'll see them all over websites, links to them on a number of websites, including some websites that you like or used to like. Endless links to anonymous sources. Endless links to pro-impeachment reports as they continue to build up the propaganda. From September 24, the day the impeachment inquiry was announced, to October 24, these three broadcast networks devoted 322 minutes to the probe in their evening newscasts across 140 separate news segments. Of those, more than half, 82 or 57 percent, relied at least in part on information from anonymous sources. ABC World News Tonight, 54 percent. CBS Evening News, 60 percent. NBC Nightly News, 60 percent. Total, 57 percent. The New York Times style book deems anonymity as something to be careful of. Their style book, anyway. Anonymity must not become a cloak for personal attacks. It says, the vivid language of direct quotation confers an unfair advantage on an unnamed speaker. Turns of a phrase are valueless to a reader who cannot assess the source. Right. Too bad the New York Times doesn't follow its own suggestions. Put another way, every source who talks to reporters promoting the facts and spin that best reflects their agenda. When President Trump or House Speaker Nancy Pelosi speaks on camera, viewers can make up their own minds about how much to trust what is said. But when a source hides behind the cloak of anonymity, you know, like a so-called whistleblower, that source's agenda is also hidden from the audience. Nonetheless, viewers of broadcast evening news this past month were bombarded on a nearly nightly basis with anonymous source reports about the ongoing closed-door impeachment inquiry. And again... So have some of these uh, news websites, or news aggregate websites. The NBC Nightly News on October 3 led off with the congressional testimony of Kurt Volker, a former U.S. envoy to Ukraine. The segment relied on reporting by the Washington Post, which in turn cited conversations with two people who were familiar with what Volker had told lawmakers. And this resulted in the following third-hand reporting by NBC White House news correspondent Peter Alexander. Quote, Behind closed doors, Volcker, the Washington Post reports, told lawmakers that he warned the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, that he was receiving untrustworthy information from Ukrainian political figures about the Bidens, according to two people familiar with his testimony. Quote, unquote. Not a single name there. Not one. On October 8, ABC chief White House correspondent Jonathan Carl let off World News Tonight with a quote from an anonymous source 
relates secondhand by a separate anonymous source, which characterized Trump's phone call with the president of Ukraine as crazy. Quote, ABC News has learned a White House official who listened in on the president's phone call with the president of Ukraine described it as crazy and frightening. This according to the whistleblower. Man, would I have questions with the lieutenant colonel. You understand what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? I'd like to know who's leaking, so you've got to really work on that one witness at a time. The following evening, CBS Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett described that phone call in an even more roundabout way. Garrett reported on one anonymous source's description of a memo written by a second anonymous individual, which was alleged that a third anonymous individual, who claimed to have listened to the phone call, contended the call had been unrelated to national security. Quote, according to the memo described to CBS News, the White House official characterized the call as completely lacking in substance related to national security. Now, because this impeachment inquiry is unfolding behind closed doors, journalists have relied heavily on leaks provided on the condition of anonymity, which audiences have no means of verifying. The result is a deluge of hearsay reporting that looks more like a game of telephone than serious journalism, and that's correct. And you can't fix that. You can't unravel that when it comes to the uh, veracity of witnesses and information. In other words, the last five weeks, when they have held this sham investigation behind closed doors in secrecy, denying the minority of equal procedural rights, and by the way, still, still under this phony House resolution does the same thing. 95% does the same thing. Still. You're not going to get the truth. You're going to get a narrative and you're going to get spin. And apparently the media have no problem with that since they're leading the charge and they have been leading the charge as I've pointed out in Unfreedom of the Press as I've pointed out on this show multiple times. I'll tell you what, I haven't talked about Unfreedom of the Press in a long time but Everything in that book is actually occurring. And those of you who have it, those of you who have read it, those of you who listen to the audio, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Or those of you who are faithful to this program and you understand. I have to give some credit to Tom Brokaw. I really do. Despite what the media mob are doing, what's swirling around him and what's being reported, well, he says the Democrats don't have the goods on Trump. This isn't Nixon, this isn't Watergate. Not yet, he says. Cut three, go. The big difference is, however, Andrea, that they still don't have what you would call the goods on this president in terms of breaking the law and being an impeachable target for them. They're going to start the process, but they don't have the same kind of clarity that the people who are opposed to Richard Nixon had because it was so clear that these were criminal acts that he was involved in. And I might add Bill Clinton was accused of 11 felonies by the Independent Counsel. The House of Representatives took up four of those felonies, and then they impeached him on two of the felonies. After he was acquitted by the Senate, I believe the vote was 50-50, something of that sort. The federal judge, the chief federal district judge in Arkansas, Little Rock, Judge Susan Wright, held him in contempt, offered Trump, uh, excuse me, offered Clinton, uh, Clinton an opportunity to defend himself, but she, he refused to take it. She held him in contempt, 
Civil contempt could easily have been criminal contempt. For lying during the course of a deposition. While she, the judge, was actually sitting in the deposition to make sure that he, Clinton, wasn't abused. Instead, Clinton abused her and the process. In the Paula Jones case. And for that, she held him in contempt. She fined him court costs and legal fees. And she recommended to the Arkansas Bar and the Supreme Court of Arkansas, ultimately, that he lose his law license. His law license was lost for eight years. And then he resigned from the United States Supreme Court Bar, Clinton did, because he knew it's only a matter of time until they did a similar thing to him. Whether it's the Nixon case or the Clinton case, they have absolutely nothing in common with what's going on here with Trump. Nothing. No felonies, no crimes. They can throw the word extortion around all they want. They can throw the phrase obstruction of justice around all they want. They can go to their legal analysts who don't know a damn thing. I don't know the extent to which Dan Abrams actually ever practiced law, certainly in the areas that he claims to have an expertise. Jeffrey Tubin was a miscreant, a minor player in the independent counsel investigation in Iran-Contra. Then he quit in order to write a book and went sideways with the independent counsel's office. He's not particularly intelligent or competent when it comes to these issues. Uh, we have other people who have served in New Jersey, other people who've served as judges. They know nothing about this area of the law. Nothing. I've practiced in this area of the law for years. Including litigating for years against an independent counsel by the name of Lawrence Walsh in the so-called Iran Contra matter. My client being the former Attorney General of the United States, Edwin Meese. Who, of course, was guilty of nothing and found guilty of nothing. And so I am well familiar with this. I am well familiar with the Constitution. I'm well familiar with abuse of law and abuse of power by people who are supposed to uphold the law. And much of that litigation actually did happen in secret. Various motions we filed, so forth. They had a special division, they called it, under the statute, a special division court that was made up of, I'm trying to remember, One district court judge, one circuit court judge, and the other judge might have been a circuit court judge as well. My mind, I just don't remember. And one of them, by the way, I was quite friendly with at the time, and that was all revealed. I had known him for some time. Didn't matter. So I'm well familiar with this area. And when I hear the phony legal analysts talk about it, I'm frustrated. And furthermore, Impeachment. You may not know, ladies and gentlemen, that the filing that led to Bill Clinton being held in contempt was filed by the Landmark Legal Foundation with the district court, Judge Susan Weber Wright. It was filed by the Landmark Legal Foundation. We called it a judicial notice. Now that's rather unique filing. Many of you lawyers out there who are in the federal practice, you probably never heard much of a judicial notice. 
I guarantee you 99% of you have never filed a judicial notice. Well, we have never filed one either. But we didn't have standing. We weren't a party. But we felt ethically and morally obligated, and certainly as lawyers, to inform the court that she should hold the president in contempt. And we provided what we called a judicial notice, which is in effect a letter dressed up as a motion, and laid out the case for holding Bill Clinton in contempt. And many of the issues that we raised in that judicial notice were adopted as part of Judge Wright's contempt holding, her opinion, against Bill Clinton. And at Landmark Legal Foundation, we took the time of going to the Library of Congress and securing a copy of Andrew Johnson's impeachment hearings and the trial and studied it. Same with Nixon. And studied it. Of course, it didn't reach the point where Johnson's did, but I'm talking about the, the, uh, the drafted articles and the various testimony leading up to them. So I'm quite familiar with impeachment, as well as having studied various scholars. And I'm well familiar with special counsel and independent counsel. And I can tell you right now, what they're trying to do to Trump is an abomination. It's unconscionable. There is no comparison in American history. Not just modern American history, but American history, period. This is the gravest scandal this country's ever faced. And it is a scandal led by the Democrat Party and their media. The Democrat Party, which defended slavery. The Democrat Party, which defended segregation. The Democrat Party, which defended Jim Crow. The Democrat Party, which seeks to unseat a duly elected president of the United States. That Democrat Party and their bastard media. I'll be right back. in. tell you something. Cyber thieves are stealing American homes. Guess where your home's legal title and mortgage documents are kept? They're kept online, wide open for the whole world to see. Your signature and everything thieves need to take over ownership of your home is easily available online. Thieves forge your name off the title, then refile the deed so it appears like you sold it. Then they go to unscrupulous lenders and borrow money using your home's equity. Then they disappear and stick you with the payments. Banks, insurance, and identity theft programs do not protect you. Home Title Lock does. Home Title Lock puts a virtual firewall around your home's title and mortgage. And they monitor the black market to see if your home's for sale. Your home's equity is your retirement, your emergency fund, probably your major asset. So let me help protect it. With 60 risk-free days, 60 risk-free days of Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com, one word, and your address to see if you're already a victim. Plus, if you're not, get the 60 risk-free days that way. Defend yourself at HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com. All right. It's about time we take a caller here, I think, Mr. Producer. Who do we have? 
K-I-N-A. Joe in Kansas, how are you? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you? Very well. Thank you, sir. Well, I appreciate you taking my call. I wanted to start off by saying I have immense respect for you. I'm a lawyer myself. I love that you're somebody who's on the radio talking about conservative values and coming from an experience and intelligence. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. The reason for my call is because I was listening earlier as you were talking about the lieutenant colonel. And my, my thought was, I don't understand why you're only saying he can offer his opinion when clearly he's a first-hand fact witness. And I know there's a transcript, but we all know that that's not the exact transcript. He's a first-hand, what doesn't matter? Then we can pull in all kinds of witnesses, first-hand fact witnesses to a conversation that's public. Right, I agree. I, so what is his, So what is his first-hand fact witness testimony? Well, I think the first question. All, all it can be used for is that the transcript is inaccurate. Right. I, but I, what I other? What What else can he bring? What else can he well, say? Well, because he's not offering his opinion as to anything. As much as we can say, does your recollection? You haven't read his statement. He's offering his opinion. He's offering right. his opinion. If you read his statement, he's offering his opinion about the phone call. He's not providing us with any information about the phone call we don't already have. I'm sorry, gotta go. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Jim Jordan on Capitol Hill today about what's going on in these closed-door Star Chamber Kangaroo Court railroading hearings. Adam Schiff is getting very used to being the Stalinist that he is. Cut for go. The idea that we want to know um, who this individual may have communicated with, that's important information. And the idea that when, during our hour, our counsel is asking questions and Adam Schiff tells the witness not to answer our questions is completely ridiculous. And it's, it's why this should be in public. Yeah, he's, he is a complete uh, tyrant, this guy Schiff, with a totalitarian mindset. So he's telling the witness not to answer the questions because they want to know who the lieutenant colonel had talked to. You know, ladies and gentlemen, this call was classified. I would like to know who the lieutenant colonel spoke to as well. I would like to know who the CIA operative spoke to as well. I would like to know to whom all these people spoke. This was a classified conversation. It is to remain secret. Now, several of the president's classified discussions with leaders of other countries have been leaked. I'm not saying that the CIA operative or the lieutenant colonel are the leakers, but I am saying it's obvious that people who've been monitoring the president's calls are leaking. And so 
The Republicans, Democrats, could care less. The Republicans want to get to the bottom of it. And so they asked the lieutenant colonel, who was dressed in full military uniform, to whom he has spoken. And apparently Adam Schiff told him not to answer. This is what goes on behind closed doors. It's appalling. Ever hear this guy Phil Mudd on CNN? He's a lowlife, of course, which is why CNN has him. He's a carnival barker. It's a nobody. Uh, but he gets paid to work at CNN, which means he must be a dancing monkey. Because that's pretty much what you have to be over there at CNN if you want to work for Jeff Motherzucker. Just ask Jake Tapper. And uh, John Berman, clearly one of the dumbest people, not just in broadcasting, but roaming the earth. Uh Asked Mudd a question about uh, al-Baghdadi. And Mudd, you see, is an expert on these things. Cut six, go. What do you make of the president's choice of language yesterday? The whimpering, the cowering, especially given that it's not clear that that would have been visible. It certainly doesn't seem like it would have been visible. This is where this fool's head is. It's up his own uh, cavity. This guy likes to conduct home colonoscopies. Oh yeah, so on, the, on his part-time he sells home uh, colonoscopy kits. Comes in a little box. Uh, in other words, he's a jerk. He's a moron. This guy, John Berman. Mr. Producer. Dump. Alright. Anyway, so there's John Berman. What do you make of the president's choice of language yesterday? The whimpering, the cowering. I mean, really, folks, is that the focus? Should we be celebrating what our military did? Perfectly executed execution of a man who was slaughtered and maimed and raped? This is what you get at CNN, the Constipated News Network. Go ahead. Video to begin with. Well, this makes me uncomfortable. The same feeling I had when I was walking around D.C. after the killing of Bin Laden. I mean, there's there's an upper level on this. You do not celebrate death. I don't care if it's a terrorist. I don't care if it's someone you hate. A human really? being. You don't died. celebrate death if it is a terrorist. You are a moron. You are an absolute moron. You don't celebrate the death. Of a terrorist. I don't care if it's someone you hate. It's not a matter of someone you hate. You kill a terrorist in order to save people. Go ahead. We don't celebrate that. The other thing in terms of language. You don't taunt an adversary. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, Philip Mudd, if you say so. Is Philip Mudd of the famous Mudd family, the doctor uh, who repaired uh, Booth's broken leg? Do we know this? I assume he is. Not that it matters, of course. And here's Representative Roe Kahana. Who that is, I have no idea. But of course, Roe is very important, so they bring Roe on CNN for the very purpose of, again, trashing the President of the United States. Cut seven, go. Well, we're all patriots. We want the fact that Baghdadi is dead. Actually, we're not all patriots. But go ahead. Good for American security. I salute the troops. I recognize that it was a successful operation. I'm very glad that uh, no Americans were killed. That said, uh, I hope the president isn't going to now put our troops in Syria to try to expropriate oil. I hope he will tone down the... See, the point isn't expropriating oil. 
what the president's trying to do is prevent the terrorists from getting to the oil fields and making billions of dollars over time to arm their terrorist activity or to prevent the Iranians from getting the Syrian oil in funding their terror regime and, and nuclear weapons. They make it sound like he's taking over gas stations. That's why he's trying to prevent the enemy, and our enemies, I should say, from getting the Syrian oil. To protect the world from terrorism. To protect this country from terrorism. Go ahead. There's no reason to gloat over it and insult Baghdadi and let that video be a recruiting tool uh, for ISIS or Al-Qaeda. I see. These guys always know what ISIS and Al-Qaeda are thinking and what's a recruiting tool. They're such morons. Like ISIS and Al-Qaeda need recruiting tools, ladies and gentlemen. They don't need recruiting tools. They believe Allah has told them to kill us. You think these oil fields are recruiting tools? These leftists, these Democrats, these phony journalists, they don't even understand what the hell's going on. This is a sect of Islam, an ideological fundamentalist sect, Islamists, who are trying to slaughter people who don't agree with them, including other Muslims. And so this idea that Trump, by taunting them, is recruiting them, is so stupid. And by the way, we have a right to celebrate, and that includes taunting and gloating and insulting. Don't taunt and gloat about Hitler. No, 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 no. That might be a recruiting tool for the Nazis. Who's ever heard of anything so stupid? Like they need a recruiting tool. They've been recruiting ISIS and Al-Qaeda long before the president was taunting al-Baghdadi and long before he said that we have to protect these oil fields from the enemy. So what the hell are they talking about? They're talking about nothing. Nothing. And Joe Biden, who's been an idiot on so many things, but particularly foreign policy... Listen to him today, MSLSD. Cut eight, go. Now he's saying we're going to keep troops in Iraq to protect the oil fields. And we're going to I told you the guy is not mentally fit, ladies and gentlemen, to be president. It's keep troops in Syria, not Iraq. The oil fields are in Syria, not Iraq. And how he doesn't get that, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. That's like putting up a 500-foot banner, a recruiting banner for, for ISIS. I mean, I, I don't. He just doesn't seem to understand anything about. No, that would be you, dummy. You even opposed the raid on uh, Osama bin Laden. If you had been president, we wouldn't have killed him. A banner, ladies and gentlemen. So the fact that we killed Baghdadi, the president has now said we need to secure those oil fields in Syria. That's a 500-foot banner for ISIS and recruiting, gloating, celebrating the death of al-Baghdadi. That's another recruiting tool for ISIS and al-Qaeda, don't you know? And all these liberal Democrats and liberal Democrat media types, they all know all about foreign policy, don't they? They know nothing about foreign policy. These are the same people who eviscerate the United States military and trash our country when their hero, Barack Milhouse Benito Obama, was president of the United States. That's how you provoke the enemy. I'll be right back. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great honor to have my dear friend, one of my dearest friends, and one of the finest lawyers I know, so I hired him from time to time as my lawyer, David Limbaugh. David Limbaugh, how are you? Mark Levin, how are you? My best buddy. Yeah, amen, man. People should really get to know you. You're such a good guy and smart as hell, and I want to thank you for everything. David Limbaugh, you've written a fantastic book. Guilty by Reason of Insanity, Why the Democrats Must Not Win. This really is the pre-election book, as far as I'm concerned, on the left. Brings us right through the impeachment episode that's going on here today. And basically, you take a look at what the Democrats are proposing, and you break it down and what it would do to our society. What motivated you to do this? Because nobody else had done it? Well, there were there are a lot of other books, particularly on the Russia hoax, uh, excellent books, just outstanding. And then there are books on various other aspects of the culture. I wanted to do a comprehensive uh, review of all the issues uh, that are coming out of the left and, and to show the divergence, the distinct difference in our policy agendas and uh, our worldviews. And I also wanted to go in detail on a lot of these issues. So I got almost 1,200 footnotes. I wanted to document everything I could because, you know, the left will tell us that we're just spewing out uh, innuendo. But we're, that's what they do. No, we, we uh, present facts, and so I back it up here. So what I like to think of this as is a comprehensive treatment of all the issues and also a deep dive into the issues, the philosophical underpinnings behind their crazy ideas. I mean, it's so impressive. How long did it take you to write this book? Uh, probably about five months. Five but, uh, months? You know, it, it takes me a year or more to write a book. Yeah, but you've got three jobs. <laughs> well, you've got six. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, it is so well written. And here's the thing. Here's the trick for a really good author, and you're it. It's to write something that is understandable, that's digestible, and yet, is substantive, has new information, has the footnotes of people, and notes if people want to check it out, and is entertaining. That's not easy to pull off. And you have covered everything. You have here from race to the culture to gender, socialism versus capitalism, the New Green Deal, these massive entitlements they're proposing, uh, everything uh, from the, the activities with respect to... Uh, the attacks on Trump from the media, from the, from the left, immigration, abortion. I mean, it really is. It, it, this is why I call this the book for the election, the lead up to the election, because it eviscerates the left on every single issue. So let's break into this a little bit. Let's go into some of this. Now, let's take a look at the, the media, the Trump derangement syndrome. We're seeing it today, are we not? Oh, my gosh. On impeachment. Yes. Now they're, now they're going forward. They, they've been smoked out of their little hole, cubby hole in the basement where they fashion leaks and innuendo to go after Trump. And now they've been smoked out of the open. And they're going to now, on a dare, full blow, go, uh, in, initiate a full-blown impeachment uh, proceeding, I suppose, and vote. And I just say go right ahead because... Mm-hmm. The Ameri- it's going gonna, it's gonna to redound to Trump's and thus our benefit, because 
they don't have a case, and they've been they've been uh, in dire, hot pursuit of impeachable offense. And they've already made their decision. They made it when he walked down the hall, walked down the escalator, announcing his presidency, and they've been searching for evidence ever since and been fabricating it. You know, and we all know the drill. They, it didn't work on the Russia hoax. They've never been held to account for that, by the way. The lies, uh, Schiff saying he had uh, irrefutable evidence, and he's never been held to account. Then he switches, just pivots to Ukraine. It's absurd. It's outrageous. <clears throat> these, these tyrants, these Stalinists will not quit, and they're exposing themselves as socialists, as tyrants, as culture of death advocates. I think it's, it's only going to help because the country isn't lost yet. The body, body politic is not yet crazy. But if it, if it goes much longer, it will be. We've got to stop them. Everything hinges on 2020. And I mean everything. But you know, David Limbaugh, even in this reporting today on the, the House of Representatives on their resolution, you read this resolution, it's seven and a half pages long. The minority isn't getting equal rights. The minority can't call witnesses or issue subpoenas without the approval of Adam Schiff and the majority. The president's lawyer can't even sit in on what's taking place until Adam Schiff is done and it all moves to the Judiciary Committee. And the president's lawyer might be able to call witnesses, the Republican might be able to call witnesses, only if Schiff agrees. And if he says no, they can take it up with the full committee, which is controlled by the Democrats, and they can vote it down. And when you compare that to Nixon and Clinton... This really is an abomination, and that's your point, that they'll break the rules, they'll break traditions, they'll break customs, and it doesn't matter the area. It doesn't matter what area. Isn't that correct? It's correct. They're, they rig the system, and, and they, they uh, avoid and trample due process, and the media acts outraged when we complain about it and never goes after them. It, you talk about a conspiracy and a cabal and collusion. It's the media and the Democrats. And... That, that what they're doing here by closing us out or by denying us rights, even after they pretend they're giving them to us, is the left in microcosm. This is what they do, and this is what they will do if they regain power. It's a scary thought. I mean, what, what, the, the, the Stalinists that controlled Russia, it's the same mentality. They, they will deny our rights. They'll keep us from going to uh, – keep conservatives from going to college campuses. It's all the same mindset. They are anti-liberty. Uh, they, they will – they, they're intolerant, they're dogmatic, and only if you see the way, things the way they do will you even be allowed to speak. The threat from within. There's a threat from without and a threat from within. And this is your very first chapter. Tell us about it. Well, I tried to uh, encapsulate the book. It was kind of a long introduction, and I wrote an, another introduction after that first chapter. And it was just to lay out all the issues and can contrast. And I start out asking uh, or saying to people that I've heard this canard all my life that the Democrats and Republicans stand for the same thing, but the, the left just uh, has different ideas about achieving the same results. And I point out the absurdity of that because they are anti-Constitution, they're status, they're anti-sovereignty, anti-free market, reject quality, equality of opportunity, they're uh, race and identity politics, purveyors, and they don't see colored blindness. They're in favor of segregation now. America was never that great. Just think of over and over. They're the culture of death. They're open borders. There is not one reconcilable issue. So these 
squish is on our side, are these never-Trumpers. Let me take a little break, just because yeah. of the music. I will say this. This is the best book on the left, and by the way, conversely, on conservatism, since Liberty and Tyranny, may I say? My own book. Wow, this is the best awesome. book since Liberty and Tyranny, ladies and gentlemen. It's called Guilty by Reason of Insanity. You can get it at Amazon.com or Mark Levin Show Facebook. Be right back. Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. I'm reminded by my dear friend Deborah Burlingame, um, these Democrats who come to the defense of Hamas and Fatah and the Palestinians that uh, on 9-11, West Bank Palestinians, that is Judea and Samaria, celebrated on 9-11, handed out cake and candy. Not only didn't the press condemn this, they took it off the air and never played it again. And this is when it was thought that still between 15 and 25,000 people might have died in the towers. By all means, a two-state solution. By all means. My buddy David Limbaugh is here. I'm going to get to him right away. I will move the commercial to the end of the segment. Guilty by reason of insanity. Why the Democrats must not win. David is a number one national best-selling author. This is, should be a number one New York Times best-selling book. I'm telling you, it is an extensive portrayal of what the left is doing in all walks of life in our country. It's crucially important. It's a perfect gift for Christmas, for Hanukkah, and pre-election to really uh, lay the foundation. As I was saying when I was uh, going to the break, to me, when it comes to the left, that is uh, progressivism and conservatism, this is the best book since Liberty and Tyranny. And those of you who have Liberty and Tyranny should seriously think about acquiring a copy of this book, Guilty by Reason of Insanity. Now, David Limbaugh, you're not afraid to get into the cultural issues like gender and what they're doing and like abortion and so forth, right? That's right. I cover that extensively because some people don't realize how crazy the left is and the philosophical uh, backing uh, background to it. We're talking now, the left is actually taking the position, and I won't even get into the gay thing right now. The, le- the, the gays are being dwarfed by the transgender movement. And once they got same-sex marriage, they said they'd be satisfied. No, no, now it's the transgender movement, and we're expected to believe. In fact, they're cramming down our throats the notion that there's no longer any difference uh, between man and woman, that the biology matters not, that one's uh, uh, sex is not... Uh, defined until they identify themselves. So whatever biological sex you're born as, you're so-called assigned, is irrelevant until you identify. And Mm -hmm. so... uh, Crazy. It's absolutely biologically science deficient. It's science denying that you cannot change your uh, sex by an operation. Your DNA remains encoded the way it always was. You can't change your sex. And they're expecting us to believe a lie. This is the left 
this postmodern uh, assault on our language, our morality, and our sanity. This is utter chaos, and they're doing it right in our faces, Mark. It's unbelievable. Even on abortion, how far are they going to push this? It's like post-birth abortion now. Yeah, post-birth abortion, infanticide, and killing the baby right after uh, it's born, le- left on the table to die. And unapologetically, that now they have their T-shirts, shout out your abortion. Remember when they pretended that abortion, uh, uh, that, uh, that an unborn was not a human life, and they said, well, we just reluctantly do this. Now they're in our faces saying, we admit it's a life. It doesn't matter. It, it's our right to kill the baby in the womb. Even we admit it. They're shaking their fists at God. Mark, this is, this is the kind of culture that, that uh, uh, God ordered the Israelites to destroy when they gave, sent them into the land of Canaan, into the promised land, because it was such a disgusting culture. They were ch- sacrificing their children. This is what we're doing as a culture, sacrificing our children and glorifying, like worshiping it as, a, as, a, as an idol. It, makes me, it gives me sh- chills to think about how d- depraved we have become in our culture. And you know, David Limbaugh, the, the more advanced science becomes, the more it's obvious that it's a human being, that it's a baby. 4D technology uh, lets us know that the baby's heart starts beating as early as six, seven weeks. It starts feeling pain in the early, starts doing somersaults around that time a little later. Everybody knows. They know they're living a lie. This is pure demonic evil. And it's no less than that. I don't care if I sound freaky. Nobody with any semblance of moral fiber can justify what they're doing, much less condone the celebration and glorification of it, lighting up New York buildings in pink to celebrate the death, the murder of the most innocent uh, human beings there ever were. You spent a lot of time in your book dealing with capitalism and socialism. On the one hand, you really want people to understand the greatness of capitalism, all the benefits it has created for, for Americans, for humankind, and, and, the, and the destitute nature of socialism. And it's obvious you're particularly interested in this, young people, because this is something that is being now brainwashed. This is the kind of uh, indoctrination kids are getting in college and university capitalism bad socialism good yeah they don't understand and i said this on your uh, tv show that that our rights come from god and therefore they're unalienable they believe the right our rights come from government and they want to control the government which means they want to control our rights and uh they have no respect and this is why we among many other reasons we call them tyrannical mm-hmm. and what give us a few of the great reasons that socialism is bad and capitalism is good. But socialism enslaves and impoverishes. For up to the, until the last 200 years of human existence, uh, we had relative poverty. And by the way, income inequality always existed. Then we had capitalism come along. And it's caused worldwide, in relative terms, worldwide prosperity. Now they want to go revert to socialism, which everywhere it's been tried, including Sweden, by the way, every place it's been tried, it it causes poverty because what they don't understand is the economy is not a zero-sum game. You can't just distribute, redistribute what people have. Socialism destroys wealth. 
Capitalism creates wealth. Or the human beings in a free market create wealth, and it expands the pie. Liberals don't understand that. They, that's why they always miscalculate uh, when they project what costs are going to be, because they don't account for human initiative and incentives and competition and the various uh, things that capitalism allows. <clears throat> they think they can control everything. They think the central planners the, the central planners would have to be omniscient to create the kind of knowledge that each individual person who buys and sells uh, effectuates in a market. If I buy something from somebody and he sells it to me, that means we both benefit. Well, a, a central planner can't possibly uh, have the kind of knowledge to extrapolate that among billions of people or millions in the United, hundreds of millions in the United States. There's no way they can do it, no matter how smart they are. The, it's the it's amazing thing, the invisible hand of the market and, and the power of incentives uh, to produce and liberty and this is the kind, and, and socialism just stuffs, uh, completely suppresses our liberty, suppresses our growth, and it ultimately, when you have, when you have political, uh, when you lack political liberty, you lack economic liberty, and vice versa. They're interconnected, and that's why socialism, among other reasons, uh, is inimical to, inimical to liberty, uh, to political liberty and economic liberty. We can't do it. This nation was founded in liberty. We forget that word. You have resurrected it yourself. You've been on a mission, on a crusade, to re-educate the American people about liberty, and now these leftists are, are trying to take it away once and for all. And we see what they do. When they're in control, they don't even let us speak. What is your take on Donald Trump? Is he doing things, you know, because you and I both supported Ted Cruz in the Republican yeah. primary. Has he surprised you? Is he more conservative than you thought? And what is your take on the never Trumpers? I, I, I can't believe. I, I didn't think, the reason I wasn't for Trump, I, I didn't believe he was conservative at the time. He has been such a pleasant surprise. He has been gloriously good on, on 85 to 90 percent of the issues, uh, in my, as I look at the issues, and maybe even more. He has been such a, a great leader and a great president. The fact that he's crude or unorthodox, as I said on your TV show, doesn't bother me at all. In fact, I usually applaud it because I'm so sick of political correctness. And our side, our squish is rolling over and pretending that being polite is more important than liberty, than, than doing the right thing in terms of policy. We just continue to be walked on. And so I really appreciate it. The never Trumpers to me are a logical contradiction because they claim they're, they are the true guardians of conservatism when in fact they're outright supporting Democrats under the theory that Trump is, is no longer polite and he's such a cad. But okay, compare him to the Democrats, every one of them, the kinds of things they, they would kill babies. They are killing babies. And you want to tell me it bothers you that Trump says a few things that are crude? It's just nonsense. And what do they say about him? Exactly, that he's a Nazi. That, that, if you think about that, they, and you made that point, they say things, I always forget this point, they say things about him that are so terrible, he's never even come close to those kinds of things. When, and by the way, everything, he never just goes out and, and initiates an attack. It's always a counterattack from Trump, and he hits hard, but he'll never hit as hard as they hit. They're, they're full force, all of them, every day, lying about him. And they continue to lie. I, don't, I dare say, if I had been subjected to this kind of abuse the, every day for the last three and a half years or whatever it is, I don't think I could have handled myself as well as he has. He's no. a, he is quite a, a strong person when you think about mm -hmm. it. And he fights back, which is what people want. And now look what they're trying to do to him, and he's still fighting back. Yes. 
The book is Guilty by Reason of Insanity, Why the Democrats Must Not Win. It's a brand new book. It just came out today, fresh off the printing presses. Please go to Mark Levin Show Facebook, where we've linked to it, Mark Levin Show Twitter, or go directly to Amazon, amazon amazon.com. Or if you happen to be in a major bookstore or warehouse store, the book should be available there. If it's not, say something. It's David Limbaugh, guilty by reason of insanity, why the Democrats must not win. This is very important for each and every one of us. It's also important for people, neighbors, you know, colleagues that you might be working with, people who you go to church with. If they're not sure, well, I'm not sure about left, right, and so forth, this book will push them to the right side. I'm telling you the truth. It's a fantastic book, Guilty by Reason of Insanity, Why the Democrats Must Not Win. I want to encourage you to go right now, online, grab your copy, grab a couple copies, hand them out to folks as well. David Limbaugh, I want to thank you. This is a fantastic book. I appreciate it. You're the best friend a guy could ever have. Thank you so much. I love you and love your audience. Thank you. Thank you. Same here. Take care of yourself. I'm not kidding about this book. I'm not kidding about this book. I had an opportunity to read this book actually about six or eight weeks ago before it was public, before the edits were finished. And I called Dave and I said, this is unbelievable. And of course, there's a lot of books coming out right now, but this is unbelievable. It's not about Russia per se or Ukraine per se or any of that per se. It covers the horizon about the left and us and conservatism. And, uh, you know, a book like this, they come out about every decade, maybe, maybe. But I want to strongly encourage you to secure a copy. Get a copy of this book. You can get it right now this evening. Go to Amazon.com or Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. It's right up there. Guilty by reason of insanity. Is that not a perfect title? Why the Democrats must not win. Now, folks, it's enforced compliance season. If you owe the IRS, you need to take action because the IRS can garnish your paycheck, seize your bank account, and put a lien on your home. Don't wait until it's too late. Call Optima Tax Relief while you still have options. They've resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt for folks just like you. Optima steps between you and the IRS, fighting on your behalf to help stop the demand letters and aggressive collection actions so you can get back to your life. No one's more skilled at solving tough IRS problems than Optima Tax Relief. Call right now and ask about the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. And if you qualify, you could save thousands. You deserve a fresh start. Call Optima now for your free consultation. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, visit, please, OptimaTaxRelief.com. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. On the campaign trail, President Trump promised to renegotiate NAFTA to better deliver for American workers, businesses, consumers, and he kept that promise. The U.S.-Mexico-Canada Trade Agreement, USMCA, negotiated by the Trump administration, will replace NAFTA. 
You know, when NAFTA was signed 26 years ago, no one could have predicted the explosion of innovation and cutting-edge advancements in medicine, agriculture, and technology. And that's why that deal needs to be updated. President Trump's new trade agreement puts in place strong protections for American innovators and their intellectual property, responsible for the medical innovations we take for granted. But Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats want to rewrite the deal and strip out its intellectual property rights. But without strong protection of U.S. intellectual property rights, foreign freeloaders will continue to take advantage of our innovation. And the investments needed to create needed treatments for chronic and deadly diseases will be at risk. Protecting intellectual property protects the jobs of Americans who are working to create a better health future, and it protects the incentive to innovate and take risks. Republicans must stand firm and make sure this free trade deal keeps America's interests at the forefront. Get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. Now, by the way, perhaps you don't always have a radio available. Perhaps the program's preempted in your area from time to time. Perhaps you'd still like to listen to it. Well, go to the Mark Levin Show podcast. It's one of the biggest conservative podcasts in the entire world, for that matter. It's Mark Le- Here's what I want you to do. It's three clicks. Three. One, two, three. Go to marklevinshow.com. Mark, L-E-V-I-N, show.com. That'll take you to the Mothership website. Then click on Audio Rewind at the middle top of that homepage. You'll be at the homepage. Click Audio Rewind at the top of the middle of the homepage. That'll take you to the podcast page. Then your third click. You can pick Stitcher, you can pick Apple Podcasts, you can pick Google Podcasts. You have all kinds of selections there. You download it, you download it, and you're set. That's it. That's it. You can listen to me on your iPhone or whatever kind of cell phone you might have, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your PC. Where else, Mr. Producer? You can listen to us almost any way possible. Listen to the podcast. And uh, we have 3 million listening events every month, which is amazing when you consider we have 8.5 million, they say, terrestrial radio, AM and FM. It's actually more than that. And then you add in satellite radio. You're talking about easy 15 million. 15 million or so listeners every week. But the podcast will give you your freedom. And by the way, the ratings are coming in. And I'm not going to get into one market or one station after another. But you folks are really tuning in all over the country, over 300 stations. You know, there are people who are on 600, 700. Got it. But we're on the best stations. The best stations. Which is not so easy. If we weren't producing, we wouldn't be there. So I want to thank all of our wonderful affiliate stations, our GMs, our PDs. <coughs> excuse me. And all the people who work so hard at these various stations the staff, the sales force, and so forth. We appreciate all of you. But most of all, I appreciate you, my audience, you Levinites out there. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all of you out there who protect us. Thank you very, very much. Don't forget, get guilty by reason of insanity. David Limbaugh on Amazon.com. Mark Levin Show Facebook. Mark Levin Show Twitter. It's there. Get your copy. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. 
from the Westwood One Podcast Network.